0: The editor of a religious magazine received the following letter. Dear sir, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, but he simply fainted. His disciples lovingly nursed him back to health. What do you think? If you asked me, I would have said, get out of there. But this was his reply. Dear reader, uh, beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes, Nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for 72 hours, and then see what happens. On this Good Friday, we take time to reflect on the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. As we take some time to reflect on the meaning of it, the significance of it, but also the extent of it. I wanted to take some time in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 to 46, to take some time to consider the final words of Jesus on the cross. During Jesus' time on the cross, Jesus made seven final statements. And these final statements reveal a lot about who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish by dying on the cross for our sins. And while we're just going to be looking at three of those statements in the gospel of Luke chapter 23, I'd like to share with you all seven. Uh, These are helpful to be reminded of as we reflect not just on the suffering death and death of Christ, but also the resurrection of Christ. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, the text we're in today, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In the same chapter, verse 43 of Luke, Jesus said to one of the criminals, Today you will be with me in paradise. In John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27, Jesus turned to his mother and said, Woman, behold your son. And turning to John, he says, Behold your mother. In Matthew 27, verse 46, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he quotes Psalm 22 there, John 19:28, Jesus cries out, "I thirst." In John 19 verse 30, Jesus cries out, "It is finished to tell us In other words, paid in full." And then lastly, in Luke 23:46, Jesus says, "Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit." This evening, we're going to take a look at three of those in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to consider what those final words of Jesus reveal about him and what he came to accomplish. Chapter 23, verse 33, reads this way. And when they had come to to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left... And an inscription also is written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and all and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You know, as we take time to reflect on the final words of Jesus, we're reminded Jesus was hung on the cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. for a total of six hours. From noon to 3 p.m., darkness covered the land. And as we take some time to reflect on these six hours that Jesus hung on that cross, he made, at least it's recorded in Scripture, seven statements. Now, if you consider the nature of being crucified... You can consider and appreciate the fact that anyone would say anything because as one would be crucified on a cross, the manner in which they would die, the purpose of crucifixion was not in order to kill them quickly, but to kill them slowly. It was a slow death and the reason was they wanted you to die by suffocation. And as you hung on that cross and you struggled to breathe, what you would do is you would press up with your, with your legs in order to alleviate some pressure on the chest so that you could take a breath. And then taking that breath because of the pain, the excruciating pain rushing through your legs because of the places where they were pierced, you would then find yourself struggling to breathe. And this would go on for hours if not... Days and Jesus, in his final statements, the first of which we see in verse 43, cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What do the final words of Jesus reveal about him? First, the final words of Jesus reveal his heart for the lost. You know what Jesus' heart was for the lost in that moment? Forgiveness. You know, as you consider that first statement, you consider the recipient of the prayer, Jesus, in this moment of great suffering, still has access to the Father. And it's interesting to note that the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father have not changed in this moment. You know, in moments of suffering, you wonder, God, where are you at in the midst of it? Jesus cried out in another gospel, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But even in this moment of great suffering, Jesus still has access to the Father and he cries out to him in prayer and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not only do we see the recipient of the prayer, we see the the request of the prayer. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Who are the them Jesus is speaking about here? The them are those who have crucified him. The them are those who are mocking him and ridiculing him and blaspheming him. And Jesus says, forgive them. You know, in this moment of great suffering, in this moment of ridicule, in this moment In which he is being blasphemed, Jesus does not repay evil for evil, but repays it with blessing and praise for them. Why does Jesus in this moment pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Well, first off, because Jesus doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. In Mark chapter 10 verse 45 Jesus says the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many even those who have crucified him even those who have mocked him even those who have ridiculed him and even those who are in this moment blaspheming him Father he cries out forgive them but secondly not just because he walks the walk and talks the talk and practices what he preaches but because he's fulfilling prophecy here in Isaiah in Isaiah Uh, Chapter 53, verse 12, it says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And so Jesus fulfills prophecy here. but, But thirdly, Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do because it gives them an opportunity to, it gives us an opportunity to capture the heart of Jesus in this moment. He has a heart for the lost, for them to be forgiven. Now, does that mean these individuals are not accountable for their actions? No, they are certainly accountable for their actions. But how is God actually going to answer this prayer? I want to give you a peek into the future in the the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 22 after the jesus dies rises from the dead and then ascends to heaven As Peter, having received the Holy Spirit and the rest of the disciples, Peter says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the predetermined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. These are the same ones that Jesus is praying for in this moment. And then in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus... As he prays for them, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The heart of Christ is one of forgiveness for the lost. And if you read ahead in Acts 2, you'll learn 3,000 That day come to faith in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Among those who had crucified him, mocked him, ridiculed him, and blasphemed him. Jesus in this moment cries out, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And of course the reason for the request is they know not what they do. They're doing so in ignorance. They don't fully recognize who this Jesus is. He's not just a man or a prophet. He is the Christ, the Son of God, who has come from heaven to earth to provide salvation for anyone who would receive him as their Savior and as their Lord. What do the last words of Jesus reveal about him? They reveal his heart for the lost. It's one of forgiveness. Tonight, as we reflect on the significance and the meaning and the extent of Christ's suffering and death, we are invited this evening, if you're here today and you haven't received that forgiveness. If you haven't fully grasped or understood the heart of Christ as he was crucified on that cross, it's one of forgiveness for you and for me, and he offers it as a free gift. And so the the first response to the heart of Christ for the lost is to receive forgiveness. To receive forgiveness is to come to Christ and say, Jesus, I admit my need for it. You and I, the Bible says, are born into this world broken and separated. What separates us from a holy God is a thing called our sin. But that's why Jesus came to die on a cross to forgive our sins and to grant us everlasting life. Admit your need for forgiveness and then receive that forgiveness by making Jesus your Savior and your Lord. Telling Jesus, I believe that what you said about yourself is true, that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world to die for sinners like me. And you can receive forgiveness of sins, even this evening. Not just to receive forgiveness. For those of us who have already received it, it's to share it. <laughs> you know, it's a Good Friday and... It's only Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's not too late if you haven't already to reach out to a neighbor, a family member, or a friend, a coworker who doesn't know about the forgiveness Christ offers and either invite them to a service this coming Sunday, perhaps invite them to dinner and take some time to share with them the truth of the gospel or, or invite them to lunch. You, you don't even have to invite them to the services here. Just take that next step with them and say, I want to sit down and chat with you about the greatest thing that changed my life and his name is Jesus. Receive that forgiveness. Share that forgiveness with others. So the final words of Jesus reveal his heart for the lost. But the final words of Jesus also reveal His promise for the redeemed. Jesus in verses 40 to 43 of chapter 23. Jesus is with two criminals who have been crucified on one side and the other. And one of the the criminals is crying out and mocking Jesus. The other one defends Jesus. Let me read it again back in verse 40. It says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus was a sinless Savior. Jesus was a sinless Savior. And the reason he was a sinless Savior was in order to meet the just requirements of the law. So that when he died on the cross, he could transfer to your account righteousness. So that when, he, he, when, when you transfer to his account sin, he pays for it and gives you a right standing before him. That's good news right there. Verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is Christ's promise To the redeemed. This is not just a promise to this man who in this moment by faith believes in Jesus and is justified by faith. But this is a promise to all the redeemed of the Lord. Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know the first word, the way that Jesus introduces that statement is assuredly. What Jesus is saying there is you can take this one to the bank. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you can take this to the bank. Not only can you know that Jesus forgives your sins and grants you everlasting life, but you can be assured of it. So when Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, you can take that to the bank. Jesus gives a promise to the redeemed. And he says to this man here, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, as believers and as Christians, When we pass from this life to the next or we're holding the hand of a loved one who is in Christ passing from this life to the next, we weep but not without hope because of the promise given to that person, today you will be with me in paradise. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, it says, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What a wonderful promise that's given to the redeemed. If you're here this evening and you don't have that assurance, the invitation is to receive it. By admitting your need for Christ and his forgiveness and putting your faith in him as your savior and Lord trusting in what he has done on your behalf on that cross and following him all the days of your life as your savior and as your Lord. If you're here today and you, you have that promise and you have that assurance, why wouldn't you want to share it with everyone else? What a blessed assurance that we have that when we die and pass from this life to the next, we have this promise. Today you will be with him in paradise. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus tells his disciples prior to what all of this Passion Week, he, he says, he said, let's not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. Jesus says, if it weren't so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. What a wonderful assurance that we have. And then thirdly, this evening, the the, the, the wor- final words of Jesus on the cross, they don't just reveal, as we've been taking a look at it, his heart for the lost, one of forgiveness, his promise for the redeemed, which is eternal life in heaven, but also his sacrifice for sinners. In verse 46, let me read that once more. It says, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. What was Christ's sacrifice for sinners? It was his life. Jesus gave up his life for you and for me. First, he cries out, Father, forgive them for for they don't know, know what they do. And then in his final statement, in a prayer, he cries out, Father... Into your hands I commit my spirit. So who killed Jesus? Some people say, well, it was the Romans. Other people say, well, it was the Jews working behind the scenes. Others will say, well, we're the ones who who ultimately are the reason why he was crucified on the cross. And partly in all of those answers is yes, but the reason Jesus died on that cross was not an accident, but it was according to his divine will to do that. From the foundations of the world, this was God's plan to redeem sinners, wretched sinners like you and like me. In John chapter 10, verses 17 to 18, it says, Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay my life down, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. You know, it's interesting to note that... that as the day came to an end that they were going to prepare for the, the, the Sabbath day and so what the, the Romans would do knowing what the Jews expected is they wanted to take those guys down from the cross. You see, if you die through a crucifixion sometimes you die not just for hours but but days and the purpose was in order to deter anyone from committing the same crime that those individuals were guilty of but but they were sent to to go ahead and break the legs of those individuals on the cross do you know why they were to break their legs well as i introduced what crucifixion was at the beginning you were to die by suffocation And the only way that you can survive on that cross in order to breathe a little bit is to, with your legs, push up so that you can alleviate the pressure on your lungs so that you can breathe in. But when they came to Jesus, he had already committed his spirit and submitted to the will of the Father. They didn't kill him. He gave up his life for you and for me. The final words of Jesus reveal his sacrifice for sinners. If you're here tonight, I want you to know this. Christ died for sinners like you and me our first step is to admit our need for Christ and Him crucified, to thank Him for the plan of redemption, for submitting to the will of the Father by coming from heaven to earth, condescending into the incarnation, being born in a manger in order to die on a cross for your sins and for mine and to receive salvation as a free gift through what He accomplished on that cross. What makes Good Friday so good? Let me finish with a few verses in scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For he made him who knew no sin. To be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 1 13 to 14 it says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins what makes good friday so good first john chapter 2 verse 2 it says and he himself is the propitiation for our sin he satisfies god's wrath against our sin and not for ours only but also for the whole world what makes good friday so good philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking on the form of a bondservant coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross therefore God has highly exalted him and give him him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you haven't received the free gift of forgiveness tonight on this Good Friday, I want to offer you that in accordance with God's word. By admitting your need and receiving salvation. And if you have received that gift, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with as many people as possible. In a moment, we're going to take a moment to pray. And as we prepare, pray, we're also going to prepare our hearts for a time of communion together. And so as we partake of communion, we're not going to be passing the elements today. During this next song, we invite you to come forward and take the elements and then come back to your seat and then we'll partake of them together. Let's take some time to bow in prayer. Father, on this Good Friday, we're reminded of the significance And the extent of your suffering and death. We know Jesus that the reason why. You had to suffer and die for our sins. Is because sin is costly. The wages of sin. The cost of sin is is death. And Jesus that's why you came to die. And to die in our place. And so Father Tonight, we thank you for sending Christ to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you for Christ who submitted to the will of the Father. And I pray, Father, for anyone here tonight who would say, I haven't received the forgiveness of sins. I don't have the assurance of heaven. And I haven't received the sacrifice of Christ that he he has paid on my behalf. But today, I'd like to. I pray, Father, that they can express this genuinely from their heart. Father, I admit my need for you. I've fallen short. I've missed the mark. I know what separates me from you, God. It's my sin. But I know that's why Jesus came. He came from heaven to earth to die in my place. Today I make Jesus my Savior, who forgives me of my sins. I make him my Lord, the one I'm going to follow all the days of my life into eternity. Father, I pray for this time of communion as we partake as a church family that you would bless this time, that it would be honoring and glorifying to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.